Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Holy Conversations, the podcast of the Wesleyan Covenant Association. Stephanie, we had some big news drop today. Yes, hard to believe that we have had an announcement we've been waiting for for quite some time, and so glad to have Keith Boyette, the president of the Wesleyan Covenant Association, with us today. And we're going to get a lot of our questions answered today. So, Keith, we're really glad that you're here. How are you? I am well. It's always great to be with uh, you, Stephanie and Bob. Thank you for the opportunity. We're, we are really glad to have you here today and, and thankful for some things that you're going to be able to clear up for us and our listeners. So let's just dive right into it. So we have had an announcement of the postponement of the general conference until 2024. That was made today. And so, Keith, can you tell our listeners what was the reasoning behind the postponement? Well, among the reasons that the commission cited, uh, UM church officials have claimed it was due to their inability to assure that delegates would receive visas. It's unfortunate that they failed to reach out to United Methodist in general to help them in any way possible to secure visas. We are we at the Wesleyan Covenant Association would have helped. We. Um, we are currently obtaining visas for international delegates to our global gathering on May 7th. We would have been glad to make available the sources that we've been using. The United Methodist Church has connections with United Methodists who serve in the federal government who could have helped as well. But to be honest, there never appeared to be an energetic effort to make General Conference happen in 2022. As recently as February the 23rd, um, the United Methodist News Service published an editorial that the United Methodist Communications Division uh, authored, and, and they said that the Commission on General Conference certainly did not help, and I quote, matters by closing nearly all its meetings. And they went on to say that the Commission on General Conference lack of transparency extended to the absence of a full progress report to the church on where things stood with General Conference. Now, I can tell you, I don't always agree with the United Methodist News Service, <laughs> but I think it's critique of UM church leaders and the tough questions they asked in their editorial were spot on. I understand that the vote in the commission was deeply divided and that those who identified as theological conservatives, and perhaps more importantly, those who live outside the United States, the international members of the commission, overwhelmingly voted in favor of General Conference being held as scheduled in 2022. Now, th this is really interesting to note that the commissioners who were among those whom the commission expressed concern of protecting and ensuring their participation, they were the ones who said they wanted to proceed now to hold general conference. In, in addition, I understand that the commission will end up spending upwards of $3 million in connection with the postponement of general conference. One wonders why little to no effort was expended to overcome perceived barriers, and thus possibly avoid this significant loss to our church. I think many United Methodists, whether centrist, progressive, or theologically conservative, have a lot of questions. 
And I think they feel let down by their bishops and their institutional leaders. The fact of the matter is other denominations, other nonprofits, other businesses all around the world have managed to hold major events this year with international participants getting visas to come to the United States. But for some reason, United Methodist Church leaders couldn't get it done. And with all due respect, it's a bit embarrassing. I can't even describe my response to this. Um, not, not in a way that's suitable for the podcast anyway. Um, but, but we move on because there's not much we can do about this. So what we, we work with what we can control. And that is what this means for the Global Methodist Church and the WCA. So what's next? You're exactly right, Bob, that uh, there are things beyond our control. We worked very diligently to try to help General Conference come about. In fact, you will recall the vaccination access program that we, uh, we initiated. Over 80% of the delegates who were, had been denied access ended up before this meeting gaining access and getting their vaccinations. Mm. So you wonder if that kind of effort had been put forth on visas, what might have been achieved. But, but you're right, that's all beyond our control. So we, of course, have worked hard, as you know, for an amicable and orderly separation. But it's now obvious that UM church leaders are struggling to lead the denomination and, and make basic and essential things happen. In addition, the United Methodist Church has become the Wild West. Many bishops globally are disregarding significant provisions of the discipline. They're acting as a law unto themselves. They pick and choose which disciplinary provisions they will follow. And so there's no order and discipline in our church. Order and discipline has devolved to whatever a particular bishop says it is without any accountability. Quite frankly, this is not God honoring, nor is it true to who we are as Methodist. So we need to launch the Global Methodist Church now, despite the challenges before us. There are many great small, mid-sized, large, theologically conservative local churches all around the world that want to be part of a healthy, vibrant, and growing connectional global church. The Global Methodist Church will be a place for them to land and to begin moving forward with others. We anticipate waves of churches will join the new church over the coming months and years as they extricate themselves from the United Methodist Church. It's for this reason that the Wesleyan Covenant Association Council overwhelmingly endorsed the launch of the Global Methodist Church in the event that General Conference was postponed. Likewise, the Transitional Leadership Council of the Global Methodist Church overwhelmingly authorized the launch of the Global Methodist Church to begin operations on May 1st of 2022 in the event that General Conference was postponed. So today, the Global Methodist Church has announced that it will begin operations on May 1st of 2022. The conditions for the launch are not what we faithfully work for, but we trust God will be in our midst as local churches find their way into this new denomination. As for the Wesleyan Covenant Association, it will keep 
continue to organize and keep connected local UM churches working together. We'll strongly advocate that they should be treated fairly and allowed to exit the United Methodist Church as soon as possible. The Wesleyan Covenant Association, along with Africa Initiative, Good News, the Confessing Movement, and UM Action will continue to vociferously advocate for the fair treatment of theological conservatives and for upholding the United Methodist Church's theological and ethical teachings as long as we are present in the denomination. We will continue to contend for the historic Christian faith. We'll continue to work for the adoption of the protocol and we will provide counsel, that is the WCA, to local churches as they depart the United Methodist Church and align with the Global Methodist Church. Well, Keith, I feel like I just heard a collective shout of joy as you announced the launch date for the Global Methodist Church's May 1st. How exciting that is. I also know there will be several who will also ask the question of why launch now? What is the rationale for launching the GMC without the protocol? Well, it would be wonderful if we were all in the exact same context and same position. But the truth of the matter is that churches are at various places along a, the- along a geographical continuum. Some were ready to leave two years ago, and they haven't had a, had a pathway to do that. Others may not yet be there because of where they're located. But in the near future, some local churches and even annual conferences will leave the United Methodist Church under fairly just terms. Like all all theologically conservative UM local churches, they want to be free of United Methodist Church leaders who have failed them on so many levels, on holding one another accountable to the discipline, on holding clergy accountable, on maintaining the good order of the church, on being transparent in their actions, on acting with integrity, and yes, even on finding a way to hold a general conference so the church can move beyond this divisive debate that is imperiling the very future of the United Methodist Church. So for those local churches that can get free of a denomination that is frankly inhibiting the fulfillment of their mission, they don't want to wait any longer, but they want to be connectional. They want to be um, part of a movement. And so they're desiring that the Global Methodist Church would be there for them in this season. They've been more than patient For very justifiable reasons, though, they don't trust the United Methodist Church leaders to do what they say with respect to the protocol. And this further postponement of general conference has convinced many of them that the United Methodist Church cannot be trusted and will never get to the place where they're able to pursue their mission. And as the United Methodist have known for some time now, Independent studies have demonstrated that United Methodist bishops have a massive trust deficit among rank and file United Methodist clergy and laity. The Global Methodist Church is launching so local churches can work to build a new global connection focused on our primary mission, which is to make disciples of Jesus who worship passionately, love extravagantly, and witness boldly. Well, there's there's a lot of stuff in the midst of this, and I know that 
people's heads are spinning. Mine have been spinning uh, ever since the announcement. And I've been talking with my lay leaders about this as well. And the question is, what do we do right now? If we're a church or um, or a, a, if you're a pastor who wants to align with the GMC, what are the key things that you should be thinking about at this at this very moment? That's a great question, Bob. And, um, and actually, there's several layers to how I'll respond to this. Uh, if your church has already disaffiliated, and there's approximately 200 churches across the United States, for example, who have disaffiliated from the United Methodist Church, then we would invite you to be in touch with the Global Methodist Church about the simple steps you would need to take to align with the Global Methodist Church. We'll simply need an affirmation from your local church's leadership body that the church desires to be a member congregation of the Global Methodist Church, and that the church will affirm and uphold the provisions of the Transitional Book of Doctrines and Discipline. So they can be immediately in touch uh, with me, and we'll be giving contact information later, and we'll usher them through that process, and they can become among the first churches in the Global Methodist Church uh, on May 1st of this year. If you're a church that's still in the United Methodist Church and the lay leadership of your church is well-informed and is ready to depart from the United Methodist Church, then it's time for you to explore your options for withdrawing. And you have several choices. Um, you can withdraw under paragraph 2548.2. I'm going to repeat that because we don't get numbers quickly. Paragraph 2548.2 of the discipline that allows a local church to withdraw to align with another evangelical denomination. And the Global Methodist Church will be such a denomination. Other churches will decide to leave under paragraph 2549 that permits the will, will, will the annual conference will close the church and then the church will the the property of the church will be transferred to the departed congregation so that's a second way and a third way would be to proceed under paragraph 2553 that many people are familiar with disaffiliation what I would advise these churches to do is uh, when if you're if you're well informed and there's a consensus to depart, I would then proceed to conduct a vote of your leadership body to ensure that you have lay leadership support. And then I would initiate conversations with your district superintendent and bishop about how they will facilitate your exit from the UM United Methodist Church on a fair and gracious terms. Um, it really is in the best interest of both the conference and the church local church to get this done. Um, in some annual conferences, United Methodist leadership will be helpful in this regard, and you should begin the process immediately. And as you depart from the United Methodist Church, you can take the necessary steps to align with the Global Methodist Church. A kind of third category of churches would be those where the leadership is not well-informed. And so that's the first order of business. Begin to discuss the issues with others in your church. Provide them with materials prepared by the Wesleyan Covenant Association and the Global Methodist Church and others to help them 
understand where the United Methodist Church is and what will be occurring in the coming weeks, months, and years. Engage not only those that are in leadership positions, but those who are influencers in the church. If the pastor has chosen to be uninformed to this point, ensure that your pastor knows of your and other members' desire with respect to the future of your local church. And when your church is informed and ready to depart, then proceed, as I outlined just a moment ago, to initiate your departure from the United Methodist Church. Now, a fourth category that you mentioned was uh, pastors, clergy. So some clergy will be ready to be ordained by the Global Methodist Church immediately. And they should be in touch with our team, with Angela Pleasance, with Walter Fenton, with Simon Mafunda, with any of our transitional leadership council members, with the WCA council members, can contact your regional chapter leader or be in touch with me and we'll, we'll help guide you through that process. Others will wanna wait for their churches that they're currently serving to make their decision to align with the Global Methodist Church and then they'll want to move at the same time as the church they're serving. Uh, clergy, clergy need to keep in mind that the Global Methodist Church will only be able to provide opportunities for clergy deployment to churches as churches become part of the Global Methodist Church, and those churches are without pastors. So some clergy may want to make themselves available and wait until a potential deployment arises and then make the change. Some clergy may want to make themselves available to plant churches some of whom will be composed of significant numbers of persons who have decided that they cannot be part of the United Methodist Church if their local church remains in the United Methodist Church. And in fact, we already have communities like this in some geographical regions who have come together knowing that the church that they have attended is going to remain in the United Methodist Church but these groups of people cannot be part of that. And so they're ready to form new local churches and they're looking for pastors to be deployed. So that's one possibility. We'll also be launching new churches around the world. So if you're interested in being such a church planner, let us know. Uh, we'll be working on those kinds of situations as well. So that's a really comprehensive broad sort of set of circumstances that I've tried to give some general information. Obviously, there'll be a lot more specific information on the Global Methodist Church website and by contacting me or others um, that'll be listed, you know, as part of the show notes. I think it's very encouraging and should be to our listeners that there, there are some really good options and the GMC launching when we are is going to make a lot of those options available to us. So for those who are unsure about wanting to uh, go with the GMC right away, and they may want to wait until 2024 and the potential passing of the protocol, what do you say to those folks? And do you think the protocol will even still be on the table in 2024? Well, those who are unsure or who want to wait for 2024 are under no compulsion to move now. Uh, the doors of the Global Methodist Church will always be open. Uh, we don't have an expiration date to becoming part of the Global Methodist Church. If you're in this category, continue to focus on the mission of your local church, striving to make it the most effective church possible. 
but stay informed of what's happening in the United Methodist Church in, in your conference and globally. Stay informed of what's happening in the Global Methodist Church. And when you're ready to move to the Global Methodist Church, we will be ready to receive you. As I said, there's no expiration date on that offer. Now, with respect to the protocol, it continues to be pending legislation. We don't know precisely what the commission means by postponement. Uh, hopefully, we'll get some clarity on that in the coming days. Um, so if it truly will be a postponement of the currently scheduled general conference, and they're intending to move ahead with the legislation pending, then the protocol will still be there. If, if it's going to take some other form, I'm confident that legislation containing the protocol will be submitted. It's going to take some time for things to sort out. And so it's too early for me to say, uh, uh, you know, what the, what the likelihood of a protocol passing at this point is. We're going to have to see how other partners that were part of uh, developing and who endorsed and who had pledged their support to the protocol, how this most recent development is going to impact their position. So it's too early to tell what will be the outcome of the protocol. As I mentioned earlier, the Wesleyan Covenant Association is continue, going to continue to vigorously advocate for it. I believe even with those churches that choose to become part of the Global Methodist Church departing, that the United Methodist Church is still going to find itself in the continued conflict that has persisted, that uh, the need for an amicable separation will remain, and that the United Methodist Church, those who want to take it in a more theologically liberal or progressive direction, are not going to have the, the uh, ease of doing that uh, unless they um, uh, agree to and enact something like the protocol for a, a gracious and amicable separation. So um, we understand, I understand that churches are in all kinds of context and some may have a delay in being able to, to address this. Some will begin to observe what transpires in the United Methodist Church and their urgency to exit will reach new levels that they're not at right now. But, um, um, and that's why I've used the word uh, waves. I mean, we really believe that there are gonna be multiple seasons, if you were, that people will make the move to the Global Methodist Church and we'll joyfully welcome them. Well, this is a lot to digest. And I've already gotten emails from other pastors. What about churches that look at the cost of 2553 and say it's too high to leave right now? We don't know exactly. 2548.2 seems a little bit vague around these things. Um, there, are, there are a lot of questions and, and concerns about this. And I think it becomes a swirl for people to think about. There's so much going on. I mean, as as I sat in in the WCA council meeting and we talked about this, my head was swirling. Like, what what is the best option? So, um, so in terms of thinking about next steps before people start going off, you know, in a thousand different directions, 
Um, we've talked about some of those first steps. One of the first steps would be to, to, to contact you or Angela or someone along those lines and say, here's where we are. Here's what we need to do. Um, and, and our regional chapters are getting briefed on this as well over the next couple of days to talk through, you know, what, what kinds of things they can talk about with, with their chapters and things like that. So I think those are really helpful and important things. Keith, any last words you want to give to folks before we wrap up? I know this is very brief, but we wanted to put something out in conjunction with the announcement so people could have an understanding of what we're doing. I mean, I, I think as this has gone out, we've already sent out our announcements uh, via email and things like that. But what kind of other words of encouragement or or talking off the ledge for some, or if where I'm from in Pittsburgh, jumping off the bridge uh, to keep us from doing that? Because this news hits a lot of people really hard. And as you said in the beginning, it it is not what we were looking for. And it seems... I don't know what word to use, but it's very political. Let's put it that way. It was a very, it was a political decision, I think, rather than a, a pandemic decision and, uh, and a visa decision. That's my perception of it. Um, I could be very wrong of that. So my opinion, this is my opinion, Bob Kaler's opinion, not the expressed opinion of the Wesleyan <laughs> Covenant Association or Keith Boyette <laughs> or anyone else. It's my own opinion, but um, what kind of, what kind of last words can you give for folks to help, to help us, move to the next thing. Sure. Um, you know, what I would, what I would tell people is uh, there is no doubt in my mind that God is present with us in this moment. He is not surprised by the events which have unfolded. Now, someone asked me the other day, if, if certain things happened, if, if I would have to concede that what happened was God's will. Well, you know, I've learned that we as human beings have a great way of deciding what we're going to do and then trying to christen it or name it with God's will as a way of justifying whatever has happened. I don't, I don't believe the, the postponement of general conference and the continued uh, stuckness of the uh, United Methodist Church is God's will. We're um, also not Calvinists either. So that is right. That's right. But I do know that you know Romans 8:28 says that God is present in every circumstance working for the good of those who love him and are who are called according to his purpose and i know that everybody who is listening to this podcast are loved by god and love god and that they are called according to his purposes so i know god is at work in these circumstances um you know, we chose May 1st for a very specific reason to make that the date on which the um, uh, Global Methodist Church will become operational. That's a, approximately 60 days from now. It gives space for us not to have to rush as leaders, as churches. Um, we have some time to move into this. You know, you'll remember, Bob, that when the uh, when we had the first meeting of the Wesleyan Covenant Association in October of 2016 in uh, Chicago, Illinois. The, the mantra of that day is we were, we're building this airplane as we're flying it, okay? Now we're way beyond uh, that with the Global Methodist Church. The Transitional Leadership Council has been meeting for uh, two years preparing for this moment. But there still is a lot 
you know, to figure out as we move ahead. Well, May 1st gives us additional time for that, but May 1st is before the first annual conference in the U.S. in the cycle of annual conference meetings uh, before that first annual conference occurs. And with that first annual conference, there'll be a series of annual conferences that will continue around the globe for the next year. And so, um, you know, people will have time. We need to stay um, on our knees before God. Uh, we need to cry out to God in all humility, uh, seeking his wisdom and guidance uh, for him to, to lead us and for his presence to accompany us. Uh, but I, I just have this deep assurance uh, in my spirit that uh, what we're about is a movement of God. And, and uh, we're, we serve a God who is sovereign over eternity. Okay, not not only our moment, but eternity. And he's writing a, a new chapter in our lives. So let's let's join in the great adventure that's unfolding before us. Let's not our let let's not let our fears and anxieties cause us to miss out on the joy of the Lord that will be shared with us. Be encouraged. I notice also May 1st is right before we have our Global Legislative Assembly and Global Gathering in Indianapolis. So can you give us a preview of what what this does to those gatherings and how, by the way, I, I think I can say this. I don't think it's been formally announced, but Stephanie's going to be one of the speakers, right? She is. In fact, it has been uh, announced in terms of our website. Her lovely picture uh, appears there <laughs> as one of the, the speakers, and uh, we're very excited about that. That that will mean that both of the hosts of this podcast have been speakers at our <laughs> global gathering. So to those out there, if you want to get ahead in the world, be a podcast host. It's obviously the solution. That's but, the ticket. Uh, <laughs> that's the ticket. The, the key to but, fame but, and uh, fortune right here. Yes. <laughs> Who knew that uh, being a DJ in your basement could get you to the <laughs> highest heights, you know? But, uh, but uh, uh, this announcement, uh, I think, will only make the global gathering uh, that much more exciting and the Global Legislative Assembly. There's been a lot of energy around these events over the years. This is our sixth global gathering. Who, who would have thought that we would have that many? Uh, a great theme has been chosen this year, more than conquerors, and that's really the season in which we are in. Very and appropriate for the moment, yes, very appropriate. Through Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors. So like, like our prior global gatherings, the, uh, the messages will be inspired and uplifted, Holy Spirit-filled. Um, it will be a day that will... Uh, you know, set the course for us moving forward, literally. Um, in addition to the, the keynote addresses that will be given, uh, as I've done in the past, I'll have some important updates that I'll be sharing during a message that will be shared during the event. And it'll just be a great opportunity to gather with like-minded people who are excited about the future and, um, you know, develop further friendships and relationships. So if you can, come to our live venue in Indianapolis or uh, uh, come to one of our simulcast sites. And if there's not one near you, 
why don't you um, why don't you uh, become a simulcast site and open your church and invite people to come um, contact uh, our, our WCA office. Uh, you know, you could email me or Teresa Marcus, and uh, we'll be glad to get you set up as a simulcast site. Um, one other question I had, Keith, with this launch. Sure, we're never going to end, are we? No, never. Because <laughs> I keep thinking of stuff, and, and all this is happening in real time. Okay, so I get I get emails You call me constantly. at 3 a.m. in the morning. You call me 3 a.m. in the morning. I'll answer. <laughs> I, I figured you would, and you have it on autopilot. In fact, we're talking to an animatronic Keith right now. He's simply recorded That's everything right. in advance so that so he doesn't have to the answer the question and, over and yeah. over and over again. We need a virtual Keith Boyette to answer questions like this, like those chat bots on the on your on your computer. But um, because the timeline now is all uh, changed, when do you when do you envision a convening conference for the Global Methodist Church happening? Well, the, the Transitional Leadership uh, uh, Council has not taken up that issue in light of these developments. Um, so we'll have an answer on that fairly soon. I, I don't, you know, I don't think it'll be as far out as we were uh, thinking it would be under the protocol, but we still are going to want to uh, ensure that those who can make the journey have that opportunity, um, you know, in the, in the first or second wave. So I, I kind of, this is my personal opinion. Uh, so the, the TLC hasn't spoken on this. So this is just my personal opinion. I don't think it will be earlier than 12 months because it's going to take time for folks to make the move. Some will happen quickly. Some may be delayed six months or even even a year if they're waiting for annual conference approval for their disaffiliation. So um, probably a, a year, I would say, at a minimum. Well, Keith, I just want to say a word of thanks to you. It's hard to believe that there are moments that we're going to be experiencing here very soon that we've waited for for a very long time, uh, all of which would not have been possible without your leadership and the incredible leadership of the WCA team. So just want to say a word of thanks and also a word of thanks for your very pastoral words that are also very prophetic about what is about to come and how we need to be responding in a godly way to that. So thank you for joining us today, Keith, and for all your work. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I, I, I dare to ask this, Keith, but if people have questions, where should they send them? Because okay, if, they, so, if they email us at the podcast, we're just going to send them on to you for these specific things. So so we'll cut out the middleman. How about that? <laughs> Well, if they don't have, if they don't remember the other addresses, email the podcast and they'll get forwarded. But, <laughs> but the first thing I would tell people to do is go to globalmethodist.org because there is a wealth of information there and you probably can get your, most of your questions answered there if you take the time. And if you email us, you're probably going to get a cut and paste from the, from the information on the website because we've said it. But Apart from that, you can email, and this is probably the easiest to remember, info at globalmethodist.org, info at globalmethodist.org. Uh, that's a central gathering place for our emails, and uh, 
we, we then divvy them out to the person who needs to respond. If someone wants to contact me specifically about the Global Methodist Church, they can email me at K Boyette, my name, my first initial, my last name, K Boyette at globalmethodist.org. And of course, if they go to the website, there is a contact form there that they can send in their questions through that. Um, there's also information about how they can email us there and call us, uh, the number to call us on. Well, Keith, we do appreciate it. And I'll make sure that those, uh, those websites and uh, email addresses are in the, in the show notes as we post this. Um, we, we wanted to get this out today because we knew a lot of people would have immediate reaction to the announcement on general conference. And there'll be much more to come here on the podcast. As we go forward, we have a couple of episodes coming up that we recorded with uh, Ryan Danker and with Warren Smith on the new Methodism project. And uh, those will be interdispersed, but I know that we have a lot of other questions we'll be needing to answer in the future uh, with you and with others. So thank you again for joining us again. If you, uh, don't know where to send an email or you just want to talk about the podcast. Uh, you can email us at podcast at wesleyandcovenant.org and follow us on Twitter at WCA pod. Make sure that you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a review on Spotify or on Apple podcasts that helps to drive more traffic to our site. We're excited to be able to be uh, a mouthpiece for the WCA and the Global Methodist Church as we move forward. So thank you, Keith. Thank you, Stephanie. And we'll see you back here again next time on Holy Conversations, the podcast of the Wesleyan Covenant Association.